The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Afternoons with Mike. Heard here on The Shepherd, I've got a number of things lined up. In our second segment, I'll be talking to Pastor Stefan Broden. Right now, segment one, I've got my friend Domencio Barton back with us today. Domencio is from Central Florida. He's a pastor. He's also a businessman, and he's very involved in the educational front. We had him on during the campaign. Yes. You were uh, campaigning for a school board member, fell just a little bit short on that, yeah. but boy, you did really great. That was your first time in public office, right? Or, or aiming for public office. Yes, that was my first time, and it was a good experience. It's one of those things where you know, it's hard to understand what's really going on in our society unless you start to get involved. And I, I do recommend this for everybody. Where Whatever echelon of involvement you're capable of doing, get involved. See, once I got involved and ran for that Orange County School Board chair, I not only had the thing where I met people that I never would have met before and made relationships that I'm believing going to last me a lifetime. I bet, yeah. I found out more of what was really happening. You know, one of the most dangerous things we have in our society is we assume we know why things are going in a certain direction. Yeah, I think a lot of parents right now do that. Mm -hmm. They're not really thinking. They're kind of overwhelmed. Yes. You know, that's a word. That's a buzzword in our culture today. People mm -hmm. are busy, busy as can be. I mean, yes. uh, you know, and it, it's not as, as much as we understand it, it's not an excuse mm -hmm. for not paying attention to what's going on in these critical matters. We have to do it. When we make mistakes, we've got to own up to them. Yeah. Uh, so parents have got to get on, and grandparents, I think, can help by hearing what's going on right now. Yeah, I think one of the things that we all need, need to understand, right now, um, we've had a number of things where, okay, I'm involved in a lot of different things right now. I'm a pastor of We All One Ministries, but I'm also um, chairing the education committee for the Orange County GOP. I'm doing a number of things, but this is where I, where we are right now. As parents, grandparents, parents, we have to be involved in the things that produce what we want to see in our children. Yeah. We cannot just sit back like we were before and it's like, well, I'm retired now. So what can I do? What, what should I do? And the parents, I'm just so busy. You, I know it's hard, everyone, but we have to be involved more, not less. That's how we ended up in the situation that we're in. Isn't that true all along? I mean, I think back to 1973, mm -hmm. Roe v. Wade, oh, and then you go back into the early 60s when prayer was uh, Madeline Murray O'Hare uh, pushed that campaign and prayer was mm -hmm. removed. People in both of those major decisions that were made, people who were believers we're rather asleep at the wheel. Would you agree with that? I agree with it. And you know what's sort of funny? I was kind of, I was doing some research and of course I like C.S. Lewis and I, I kind of, I did research and dabbled and went back in our history. Around about the turn of the century was when we had this battle between objective learning and subjective. And it's like, what starts to happen is we start to learn that objective is like how we say there is truth. Mm-hmm. It is, it is right and wrong. There are black and whites. There are good and bads. We know that. And then we make our decisions on how to raise our children, um, run our governments, run our societies based off of those solid truths. But over time, we ended up with this subjective concept where it actually, yeah. there is no truth per se, it's all relative. Yeah. And most of that relativism is based off of how a person thinks or feels on their inside. And over time, that's where we have this whole concept of like, when we went from male and female to LGBTQ and who knows how many thousands yeah, plus, of other plus, things, plus, yeah. plus, plus, 
it's a part of this subjective mindset, which means that truth is subject to how I feel or how yeah. I think or what I desire. And then that truth, because it becomes real for me on the inside, it must be tr- it must be real. But objective objective thought says no. You were born with male parts. You were born with female parts. You are it a male. Hard. I it mean... shouldn't be hard. <laughs> there are re- there is a reality that we're living in, but you we've we've taught we've allowed a false narrative to be taught in our education systems that have made our children subjectively minded as opposed to being objectively minded. And it's running our world right now. And we wonder why it's destroyed, why so much is going, if you will, to hell in a handbasket, but it's really, we have lost our train of thought. What makes us succeed? What makes us great? Yeah, I agree completely. And you know, when uh, I think about a class I took at RTS, and it was mm-hmm. on what you're describing as postmodernism, yes. where people have thrown away the age-old and valued set of beliefs and values that are not based on just subjectivity, but but based on the Word of God, based yeah. on the Bible. And I mean that for years and years and 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 hundreds of years, really, and it's been something in America for the. For at least it feels like it's what we're 250 plus years old now. I know most of my lifetime, I, people who were not believers, Domencio, mm-hmm. would still refer to the Bible as the good book. Yes, indeed. And they believed that because there was, even though they might not be living for the Lord like they felt mm-hmm. they should be, or they knew better than right. to live the way they were living, there was a deep held respect for the values and the truths yes. and the principles of the Bible. And this culture that we're living in right now, in case people did not realize it, they've thrown that out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where they say that they're being progressive. Right. But this is really regressive. We're going back to more basic animal nature as opposed to growing as as a real... Uh, How do we say it? It's like uh, our soul should and our spirit should lead us, not our flesh. And and the more we are relying upon our flesh to lead us, lust of the eye, pride Mm -hmm. of life, you know, lust of the flesh, we'll start to become more like and more like animals. I mean, just think about how crazy this is. All of our, um, we've had so many, uh, this is a, it seems different, but it's the same thing. You have so many animals right now we've lost that are part of our food chain. We've had all these chickens. We have all of the beef. They're just saying, oh, they're sick. Destroy them. We have all of this, the other thing. And then instead of helping our farmers, helping our nation to grow back its base, let's just say if it was true. I'm not going to get into whether or not it is. I'm just saying if it was true. Shouldn't we be trying to help to regrow our, our, our food base and our, and our stocks as opposed to telling somebody, you know what, tell you what, you should be eating bugs. Just think about this here. Our, body can, our bodies cannot even digest a large portion of the substance that those exoskeletons are. I'm just talking about on a natural thing. Yeah. Not the fact that it's just nasty and disgusting, but, but, but we can't even digest this stuff. We have something that isn't really made to be consumed by humans, and they're trying to make us to make this a part of our diet. Yeah. It's, to me, it's a bestial mindset. You start to think like an animal. Well, it's food eat it. Not right, wrong, not biblically. I mean, I'm just saying, I believe that 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 palette of food that the Lord recommended for us in the Bible was there for a reason. And meat was on the Barbie, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't bugs or anything. Yeah. None of, no roaches was on, was on the table. Oh my goodness. I I, I, I know what you're saying, but Domencio, this is just like par for the course. When you think about the reasoning and what would be sensible, those things in this culture can so quickly and easily be thrown out as well, no, we're not going to go that way anymore. In fact, we're we're going to believe that there are fifty or sixty or a hundred or two hundred genders. Yeah. What in the world? I mean, that's why we have these 
kind of characters at the end of the LGBTQ plus plus mm-hmm. because they're not going to limit themselves yeah. to what their brain is going to think up next. There's infighting even among them between the um, bisexuals and the homosexuals and the um, the I forgot the one for women, whatever it was, um, the the women that just want women. But the whole idea was because those groups were only saying that there are just two genders. Yeah. And so them inside of the whole LGBTQ, there's infighting among them because they didn't go far enough yeah. with their beliefs yeah. into, I will say, era. They did not go far enough. And so right now, you know, just how far would this end up going? Literally, I do not give, I cannot say. I, I, I was thinking of this here, like, God made males and females, but when you look and you see what they're doing, they're trying to create new genders, but we only have the old parts to work from. You, No matter what, this is a yeah. twisting, a perverting of what is into what people are imagining. Yeah. And I can see this becoming a worldwide hell, if you will, of of physical dysphoria. You know, people don't know what they are. They've, they've, people have planned and they've changed people's genetics and you'll have things going on that God never meant to happen in our lives, in our bodies, but they're experimenting. Yeah. That's all this is. It's just a big experiment where regular people are going to pay a price and those with enough money to be the authors of the experiment, but not the subjects of the experiment, they just sit back and they can just say, oh, well, let's just um, start with something else. Well, our takeaway here is that we've got to go back to the basics. Yes. You know, there's an old saying that says, you've got to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is the word of God, the Bible and the truth therein. And we've got to apply that and not just kind of give in and, and give way to this culture's progressive thought because it's leading us. Like you said, it's leading us down a path that is just nonsensical. And we've got young people who are, whose lives are being just wrecked and they're the detransitioners these kids who who have maybe had their bodies mutilated with yes. surgery and now they're sorry but they can't go back you you can't once some of those things and our government is complicit with this actually our government is taking our tax dollars and funding it it's, it's just, just amazing it's insane but i you know when i look at this a lot of times though i'm 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 more in line with it, especially after doing the whole government run and everything. And, and definitely as a pastor, I'm like, I feel like we're getting hoodwinked. Yeah. I think that it's, it's like the real fight is over on left field and they have us all out or in center field and they have us all over the place focusing on so many different things while the real battles are taking place without us being it. We're, we're stretched thin. Our resources are stretched thin. Our, our, our man and woman of power, the, the, uh, the number of us to get the job done are stretched thin. They're just giving us all these little fires all over the place. It, it, some of these things are just so stupid that they're bringing up that they can be nothing other than a distraction. Yeah. And then while we're distracted, they get the real jobs done. Yeah. But for me, I will say this one distraction that they have hit and this we're hitting, we're hitting on it right now that we must make sure that we, it is a primary it's children. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, we it's our must, future. Yeah. we must regain the authority and the headship yeah. of the education of our children. I recommend this to every parent. Listen, I know it's not easy to, homeschool your kid or take your school kids out of um, um, public school and put them into a educational facility. I know you have some people that are single parents. They, they have to work. And so, but the whole thing about it is you must find the best place so that your child is not stolen from you. Either you fight when it's early or you're going to have a bigger fight late in life. But if you do not stand right now, your children, you're not going to know who you have. I spoke about this when I used to, I was running for, um, for office. 
Social emotional learning is still alive and well. It's being pushed by our federal government. It is literally being pushed. If you do not understand it, um, the main group that's pushing it on behalf of them is called Casile or Castle, C-A-S-E-L. You go to their website. If you read their material, you'll find out this stuff is heinous. It is not funny. The plan you're going to, the plan for our children is being pumped into our schools through the dollars, our tax dollars, you want to get this money, you're going to add this to your curriculums. In the state of Florida, we actually had a letter that got sent by the DOE that said no CRT in the state of Florida and no SEL inside of our learning curricula. But that does not block SEL from being inside of our our, our, um, actual um, districts our districts themselves, the teachers, the um, the way we are running them, it still can have SEL in it. Though CRT, we had another bill that blocked it totally. We we still have to have a bill to block SEL, but we have all this money. Yeah. Right now, there's been a boon of money since COVID, and it's all you have it that was supposed to have been used to help our kids through COVID and help our educational yeah. system. I understand that, but what ended up happening was a good portion of that money was is being used right now to push SEL over the last couple of years. Yeah. And that social emotional learning is going to undermine what we like to call traditional, but I will say as a pastor, godly authority channels. Yeah. Why does this kid need to listen to mama and daddy over others? Yeah. Why does that kid need to obey the authority of their teacher, of the police officer? Why does this kid not to, does, why does this kid need to restrain from throwing tantrums and, um, and rioting? See, this whole concept of what they're doing, it's taking our kids away with this social emotional learning. It's taking away from the foundational objectiveness that God placed in us of what's right, what's wrong. How do you respect your elders? How do you show, how do you build a society that's sustainable? Right. right. How do you do it? And we've got to do it. If we're going to keep our kids, if we're going to stay with the plan that we've, uh, most of us have grown up with, we're going to have to get involved. We're going to have to find time. Now I know one thing we've got, a couple of minutes left. One thing that is helpful in the state of Florida is this law, HB1, yes. which is actually giving parents a now a good amount of control again yes. over their kids and their kids' education. And so they're not going to be penalized as what Cindy and I were when yeah. we were, were training our kids and, and schooling them. We had to pay for everything Mm -hmm. in the public school system, even though we were not using it one iota. Exactly. So today there's hope for parents, right? Yeah, we had a bill that was signed in a few months back, and it's now in effect as of July the 1st. It's House Bill 1. And this bill literally allows parents to have control of the state dollars for education for their K through 12, their kindergarten through 12th grader. So what happens is this money if whether you choose to go to public school, well, the money just does it like it always did. It, you don't really see it. But if you chose a private school or a church school, or you chose even to homeschool with the personal education program, you that roughly it's around about eight thousand or so dollars. It could be a little less. It could be a little more, but it's around average around there. You actually have the ability to direct that money for your kid's education. And you can go directly to the Department of Education's website. And that's 8000 per per student. Per child, yeah. per year, all the way up through. So it'll be, wow. what is that, um, K through 12? That's 13 times 8. Yeah, so, you get it. And you see it's a big sum of money. Yes, it is. And so you can do that. Also, if you have a problem right now with what's going if if you have some things that you would like to see change, you say, well, right now I have a real big problem with A, B, or C that's going on in education. Right now, if you go to the DOE's website, based off of House Bill 1, you have the ability to go and speak into the changes for next year's legislation for education. It'll be available through August the 15th. Wow. Okay. That's something we got to do. Website for information on that. Do you have that? Yeah, Mike. That website address is fldoe.org. That's fldoe.org. All you have to do is go there and follow the prompts. They'll take you straight to it. 
All right. We need to learn more. Thank you so much, Demencio Barton. It's great to have you. We look forward to your return again, my friend. And I too, I enjoyed it as always. All right. We'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Back on the line now with a return guest. It's always great to have Pastor Stefan Broden. Stefan is the executive director of the Content of Character series. He is the co-founder of the National Black Pro-Life Coalition. He's the recipient of the Ronald Reagan Gold Medal Award, and he's senior pastor at Fair Park Bible Fellowship Church in Dallas, Texas. Pastor Broden, it's great to have you back on. Well, it's good to be with you. You know, you're one of the guys that speak well from the pulpit, from the standpoint of finding that mix. And I know a lot of pastors really work at this, trying to find the right balance, the mix, if you will, of how much to say about what's going on in our country, the climate of our culture. A lot of pastors have chosen to say nothing. Other pastors seem to become a firebrand, if you will, from the pulpit. And that's what most people hear week to week to week. Where do you stand on that? To what book do you look for finding help in this? Well, I think the entire counsel of the Word of God, and of course, Jesus makes it clear when he says that we are salt and light agents of the kingdom of God, and we are to represent a biblical alternative in the public square. Uh, The gospel message uh, ought to be communicated uh, to us in every sphere of our existence, Uh, because God has something to say about politics. He has something to say about government, about the family, about the church. Uh, And these institutions influence us, and they have uh, a a profound uh, representation within the the public square. And so we need to be able to speak to those issues. And I think when Jesus left this earth in Acts chapter 1, in verse 8, he says, and you shall receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes, and what you do with that power, he gives to us in the next phrase, and you shall be my witnesses. Mm -hmm. Witnesses of what? The ministry, the purpose, the plan of the kingdom of God. And then Matthew chapter uh, 28, verse 18 and 19 says, the go ye therefore and make disciples. Every believer, you and I, Mm -hmm. our assignment, our stewardship responsibility, is to make disciples. If you're not making a disciple, then you're not obedient to the Word of God. And in my church, I said, you can't make a disciple unless you are a disciple. Right. And so we're disciples of Christ, and we are representing Christ, the mind of Christ in the public square. So uh, that speaks to every facet, every dimension, every crack and crevice of our existence. And so, yes, politics, government, uh, society, sociology, psychology, you name it. The Bible has something to say about all of those uh, areas uh, of our life. Do you get pushback for that viewpoint as a pastor? Do you have other uh, friends of yours, let's say, that are pastors of other churches in the Dallas area or across the country for that matter? Do you get pushback from them saying, yeah, I don't see it that way? Uh, Yeah, I I, I do. Uh, And it usually comes in this form, well, that's not my call. God called you to do that, you do that. But my call is something else. And so that's, that's generally how the brothers respond. I, I, here recently I had uh, went to speak at Dr. Tony Evans' church uh, to the alumni of Dallas Theological Seminary, and oh, I would begin to great. talk to them about Yvonne uh, Noah Harari and what he's talking about 
in terms of population control, AI, transhumanism, and all of that. When you started talking about that, Pastor Broden, I tuned out because I, I just didn't want to hear all that. So there are guys out there like that, don't want to hear what's happening culturally and what's influencing our culture at this time. And really, if they don't pay attention to what's going on, then the relevancy of their message becomes somewhat obscured behind their inability to be able to contextualize uh, the contemporary reality in which we live through the lens of their faith. Mm -hmm. You know, years ago, I heard uh, an argument for a church having a building versus that uh, kind of an argument that says a church should not be fettered and all about uh, making mortgage payments and having property, etc. But one person, I thought, wisely said that if you don't have a building in which to train disciples, make disciples, you won't have it. You won't be able to do that. And I, I think there was some truth to that matter, that we don't want our ministry to be all about a building, let's say, as a pastor. But you've got to also have some practical needs met. And I think this argument fits into that same kind of situation, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I happen to agree with you that there needs to be a physical, ocular demonstration of the reality of Christ, both in the life of the believer and in the physical world in which we live, that, mm-hmm. that when they drive by that church, it has a message, just the church in and of itself. It has a message that there is a God and that there is a concern that God has for you and is found here in this church, in this building. Yes. And uh, one can go by and see that, but there's never a, a representation of the church uh, physically, then, you know, it makes our job a little bit more difficult. Uh, in terms of getting the attention of the culture. Not that it's impossible, it's just that it it becomes uh, a daunting task. Well, this message that you're describing is a big one. If uh, you were to be asked the question, what should the church be doing in America in light of what's happening in the public square? I I think we're living in a very troubling and uh, tumultuous time. Uh, We see a, a shifting taking place in our nation away from its Judeo-Christian heritage and the influence that this heritage had uh, on the successes that we've enjoyed as a nation. We have shifted completely away from that to the embracement of what Paul calls doctrines of demons, deceitful spirits, lying spirits, and doctrines of demons. And quite frankly, our nation has embraced these ideologies, Darwinism, Marxism, communism, socialism, feminism, secular humanism, created by men and women who hate God and have been successful in pushing their poison into the public square, and people are drinking that Kool-Aid. The question is, what should the church be doing at this time? There's a couple of things that I think that they need to be doing. Number one, uh, right off the back, is listening to what God has to say. What is God saying about what's going on in America today? If you remember at Mount Transfiguration, at the Mount of Transfiguration, the voice came from heaven, I said, this is my beloved son in who I am well pleased. Right. Listen to him. The Greek word there for listen is akuo, which means hearken unto his voice. Mm. That means turn your attention to what God is saying right now. Unfortunately, what's happening is that there are many in our culture right now who are recognizing the moral rot that is evident within our culture. They're recognized that the church has an answer and that there needs to be a return to biblical truth. But when they show up in church, they come in church demanding that God join them in their agenda. God, you need to produce a revival, save our children, save my job, send me a good wife, give me two tickets to the Super Bowl every year (laughs) and a trophy wife. And we begin to demand things of God without listening to God. And so there's a screaming need at this hour for the church to develop uh, a listening ear to hear what God is saying. And what God is saying to the church, Mike, is quite different what he's saying to the culture. There are two messages. They, they're not the same. So we cannot conflate the two. When God says to America, repent, he's talking to an unbelieving, reprobated leadership in America, and the people who are following them are unsaved. Mm -hmm. But when he speaks to us, there's another message. 
And I believe the message that he has has been spoken to us in the book of Revelation through the, the messages to the seven churches. Of those seven churches, five of those churches received warnings and condemnation for their bad behavior. Two of the churches get a, uh, a, a commendation. One of the churches that I believe, I think all the churches have a message for the church in America today, mm-hmm. but the one that stands out for me is the, the church at Sardis. And it says this, Jesus says to the church at Sardis, he says, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wow. That's a, that's a powerful message. It is a, that's says, quite a statement. Says, yeah. He says, you have a name that you are alive. He didn't say that you are alive. I, I know your deeds and you are alive. He didn't say that. He says, you have a name that you are alive. You look like you are alive. You act like you are alive, but you are not. You're dead. You're dead to the power of God. You're dead to the purposes of God. You're dead to the provision of God. You are dead. And if a church is dead, that means it doesn't have the Spirit of God dwelling in it. Because any church that's functioning based upon the biblical directive has the third person of the Godhead operating in it Mm -hmm. that brings life. Yeah, Life is in God and the God that we're talking about is the third person of the Godhead who's operating in his ministry right now. He was sent for this purpose. Jesus sent him and the Father sent him to bring life to us and to the body of Christ. Jesus says, you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. But he gives an immediate answer as to what they should be doing. Now, I think this is the thing. I think a lot of people, when they see these, uh, you know, the churches in the book of Revelation, they kind of uh, get depressed. But there is a positive word that's about ready to come to the church at Sardis. Absolutely. And he says, wake up. As he says, this is where you are. You're dead. You need to wake up. You need to wake up. Mm. And he says, wake up and strengthen what remains. That's interesting. You see, he says you're dead, but to the leadership of the church, wake up and strengthen what remains. There is life, even with there's a little bit of life left in the church. And he says, strengthen that. Yeah. Strengthen it. How do you strengthen it? Through teaching and preaching the Word of God by reconnecting the body of Christ to the power source. The power of the Word of God is in the doing of the Word of God. If you're not doing it, there's no power. Mm. He says, connect back to the power source. And here's what he says. He goes on and says, remember what you have received and heard. He calls us back to the, the faith that we started in, a faith that was tied into the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember what you have received. We received life. And what you have heard, we've heard that we have been forgiven and made joint heirs with Jesus with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He said, remember that. Mm -hmm. Then he says, keep it and repent. Keep it means practice it. Do what I called you to do. Make me your priority. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. The priority for every believer It's the agenda of God, the kingdom agenda, not the agenda of America, not the American dream, which has blinded us to the voice of God. We're too busy out here running behind materialism and hedonism and trying to get bigger and better and best. The American dream has blinded America to the voice of God, Mm -hmm. has deafened our capacity to hear. And we're not hearing him because we're in pursuit of things. And so he says, keep what you have received. Then he says, repent. Repent means to turn into a new direction. The new direction is back into the fellowship that we have with the Spirit of God and the ministry of the kingdom of God in these last and evil days. Stop demanding of God to, to do for you. You see, my kids were like that when we were growing up. When they were growing up, I had three kids. And Saturday morning, television, you have the cartoons on, but between every cartoon, all the advertisers would sell cereal, toys, 
all kinds of stuff targeted towards kids. And all the kids, my kids would say, I want that. I want that. Give me that. I want that. I want that. I want that. And that's how some Christians are when they get into a relationship with God. God, do for me. Do for me. I want this. I want that. But I submit to you today that when we wake up in the morning and hit that floor, we thank God for giving us another day. Then you say, this is Pastor Broden reporting for duty, Lord. Mm -hmm. What would you have me do today? Uh, We're not praying like that. (laughs) We're not praying like that, Mike. What we're doing is praying like, God, do for me. Yeah. Do for me. Yeah. And when we're in that kind of mode, we miss out on the power of God, the purpose of God, and and we wind up becoming salt that is useless. Mm-hmm. So we hear this and we read it in the book of Revelation that the church of Sardis appeared dead and yet they were given from God uh, an ability to wake up. Do you believe that those words to Sardis are also pointed to America? Oh, absolutely. I I think that the church in America, this is what God is saying to us. Um, We know that those churches, uh, those seven churches existed in reality, uh, and the message that was spoken to them then applied to them then. But it is a universal message and has application, I think, in a contemporary context, particularly as we observe what's happening in America today. There is a moral rot that is taking place, and the church has a role to play to reverse that through the message of the gospel. And what, is God, what God said to the church of Sardis is applicable today to the church. Now, I want to make a distinction here between what's happening in America and what's happening in the church. What's happening in America is unbelievers are acting like unbelievers. Our leaders are reprobates as defined within Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 28, that God gave them over to a reprobated mind, and they are leading us out of a depraved mentality. But that's not what God is doing with the church. He is quickening in us a desire to reconnect with him, and that connection brings power into the public square, Mm. a biblical alternative. I like to say an ocular demonstration of the reality of the gospel message is evident within the people of God, the church. And the church here is not brick and mortar. The church is, are, these are people who are followers of Christ. That's right. Who are living out their faith, connected with the truth of God's word. And again, the power of the word of God is in the doing of the word of God. We need more Christians who are prioritizing doing the will of God reaching beyond their comfort zone to represent the message to those who are without hope right now. Mm-hmm. And right now, a lot of people in America are seeing the kind of corruption that is happening in this administration, the corruption in uh, the DOJ and the FBI and the CIA and how corrupt they are, and their hope has been dashed. The hope in the Constitution has been somewhat dashed on the scrap heap of, of corruption. Mm-hmm. And the hope that we have is an eternal hope that speaks and goes beyond the physical realm that carries us right into eternity and the purpose of God. The purpose of God is evident within the people of God. Yes, the church has a role to play, and the message that is uh, specific to Sardis has an application to us in the context in which we live today. And I think we need to be about the business of doing what God said. To the Church of Sardis. I could not agree more. Pastor Stephen Broden, thank you for being with me today, and it's always great to hear your voice. Uh, continue on and uh, preach the word there in Texas, my friend. You bet. God bless you, and thank you for having me. All right, and we'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Segment three already, and on the line with me today, a return guest, Eric Holm, is with Youth for Christ, Polk County. And he was with me last February for the first time. Eric, welcome back, my friend. 
Hello. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here today. Well, I'm glad that you are here. I know that Youth for Christ, they're doing a bang-up work all over the world. And I have, uh, as we talked about last February, I have some wonderful memories of working with Youth for Christ in my home area, which was up in Indiana. A fellow by the name of George Dooms was the leader of that in Evansville, Indiana. And boy, did he do some fantastic work. And so I'm uh, I'm very partial. I have, again, great memories. I know that you've had a very busy summer and school's almost here. So tell me what's been going on over the summer. Yes, for sure. Uh, yes. All, every week in the month of June, we had a different group of students that were at our week-long Youth for Christ Wilderness Camps. And uh, so not everybody is into camping and tents in the woods, uh, and especially not in the middle of June in Florida. <laughs> what could go but, wrong? <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. We've been doing wilderness camps since 1991 every summer. And uh, this year we had four different groups every week in June that, that went to the woods for a week. We camp up in the Bushnell area. And um, it's it's a week of tent camping, hiking, canoeing, swimming. We actually take the, our students on a jail tour uh, while we're up there as well. But, Mike, I'll tell you, there's something really special about being in creation. A lot of kids, we know kids today have, have trouble in relationships and talking to people, and they're tied to their electronics. Yeah. Well, there's no oh, electricity, yeah. so they don't even bring their phones with them. And uh, we get to take every morning a time of uh, there's a team-building challenge, and we have one of our adult leaders share their story and testimony. And then uh, the, the activity for the day and then in the evening where we get to open God's Word and, and teach uh, God's Word. Most all of the kids that attend these camps um, have no experience in church and no faith background. And uh, what's really special is the last night at camp, we have a campfire, and uh, we present the gospel message to them. And I, I'll tell you, watching young people who come from difficult backgrounds uh-huh. uh, just really hear the hope of Jesus and come up to the adult leaders with tears in their eyes and say, I, I need that. Oh, and so great. it's a super exciting summer. Each week has 12 to 15 students at that camp. And um, How you know, many we weeks about, were you up there yourself, Eric? So I went, now I'll have to clarify that. I, I, was, I, 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 was, I showed up at least once for every one of those weeks, um, but I spent the week in the woods with one of the four groups and then the, one of the other groups I spent half the time. Two of those weeks were boys' groups. Two of them were girls' groups. And um, my camp is one of my favorite things to do. You know, I love it, too. And yet, I know, uh, just kind of uh, sidestepping for a moment, I, I'm, I love coffee. And if I, I tell you what, man, if I were to go a day or two without coffee, I get a <laughs> headache and my body is but, screaming at me. It's saying, like, what are you doing? And, and I'm thinking, I'm hearing you say these kids are going to camp without any electronics. They don't have their cell phone. They are as addicted to those things as I am to coffee. How in the sure. world did they handle that? You know, they do pretty well. The first day, I think there's a little bit of, well, what's going on? And I'm going to lose my streaks. And uh, But then they hit the woods, and we keep them busy from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed. The hike day is literally a, a 10 to 12 mile hike. Oh uh, most of them don't walk to the corner. You know, <laughs> wow. <laughs> they're uh, they're pretty tired at the end of the day. Full day down a river canoeing. Another day where we're we're floating down a river on inner tubes. So we keep them pretty busy. So they don't they don't have much time to think about those cell phones. You know, I think that is such a beautiful thing. And I grew up without any of that kind of stuff. I mean, we only had. Uh, barely had TV back in the day, and that was three channels. So we spent our summers outdoors like what you're talking about. But there is Absolutely. something very special about when you get away, you get out of the routine, you find out. And I know those kids did. They are not as dependent on those phones as they think they are the rest of the year. And if they could right. only see what's out there, that's just a beautiful story. Yeah, so that's great, and we love, love those wilderness camps. But then in July, 
we took our high school students, and these are kids that have been with us for a couple of years through middle school. Um, most all of them have made a decision for Christ at some point, uh, but we took our high school group this year to Kentucky and went and visited the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter, and what a what a great week, wow. eye-opening, you know, as we're reading the story of creation, and then we're walking through the Creation Museum, and we're reading the story of Noah, and then we're walking through the Ark, and uh, that was another incredible week. So some really just some great faith growth in the, the lives of, of our students. And one of our boys um, is fairly new to the group, came with a friend, and um, and during that week, our last night, um, he prayed to receive Christ. So I, I call summer a, a great big win. It was a really, really busy but very fulfilling summer. It sounds like it. And I again, I just uh, give kudos to every one of those people you know, there is something tremendously fun, but there's also a whole lot of, uh, you could just say, good old-fashioned responsibility when you're an adult and you've got that many kids and they're up there in the summer, in the wild, in the woods. It, as much fun as it is, it's a lot of work, right? Absolutely. And, you know, we at Youth for Christ, we're staff-led, but we are volunteer-driven and we just have some incredible volunteers that take a week away from their job, a week away from their family. And it, this isn't the Ritz. You know, they're sleeping in tents and it's 80 degrees outside. Yeah. And they're with at-risk middle school kids. Uh, but God has just really blessed us with some wonderful people that have a heart to meet these kids where they're at and, and love them and encourage them and uh, show them a different voice. Well, before we go into what's coming up for you, uh, give us just a little bit, if you will, of what one of your favorite stories uh, from either this summer or previous camps that you would remember as being like a top thing that happened. Sure. Um, this this summer, we had a young man who came to camp uh, and was just really angry all week long, uh, was a bully to other kids, was mean. Uh, when adult leaders tried to tried to interact with him and tried to talk with him, he just didn't have anything nice to say. Mm. And, you know, we talk about loving the unlovable, but just that consistent um, just talking with him and, and beginning to break down walls and asking him about his life and his family and, and telling him that, you know what, we're glad you are here and, and praying for that. We have, we have a team of folks back home during those weeks praying for kids by name and, um, and even have it set up. Like if there's an emergency with a kid or a kid's having a really hard time, just to text a name. Um, and this young man on the last night of camp, um, gospel message was given by the campfire, and he was the first one up. And with tears in his eyes, he went to an adult leader, and he said, I am so blankety-blank sorry for how I've acted this week. And I Sanctification I hadn't happened Jesus. quite yet, right? <laughs> yes, right, exactly. But I, how beautiful is that? That's he awesome. Sees the need for a Savior, and Jesus is going to meet him where he's at, and, and we're going to see this, this change in this kid's life. And that night, after praying with one of our leaders, un, unencouraged, like this kid by himself went to another kid that he had been really mean to all week and just said, you know what, I am really sorry for how I treated you this wow, week. And um, it was beautiful. It was it was. It was really incredible moment that night. I remember thinking the first time I talked with you, Eric, back in February, that uh, this is why I wanted you to come back, because you're a guy that uh, I know you've got this going on in that One Youth for Christ in Polk County. But what you're talking about and how you do it, it's a spillover effect for everybody else that's hearing. And it's always possible in every one of our communities in the Shepherd listening audience this can happen to your kids in your community with faithful, like you said, volunteer people that are joining with a ministry like Youth for Christ, and they go out and you see it. And now shifting forward, this is not just like a one-time event because you're building a life for these kids through discipleship, right? Yeah, absolutely. We we talk about authentic 
Christ-sharing relationships. And what I love is that every one of these young people that were at camp are now invited to be a part of a weekly mentoring group. And we pick those kids up before or after school. We have a meal with them. We play some games with them. And we have a, a devotion time and other events and activities through the year. We, we bring families food baskets at Thanksgiving and Christmas. We do Christmas parties where those kids will receive some gifts. And we talk about the best gift in Jesus. And uh, so it's the beginning of an ongoing relationship. But, you know, Mike, um, and we, we talk about that, that some of these kids, we have them for a week, and some of these kids, we have them for a lifetime. I have kids that are now in their 30s. In, um, in October, I, I'm going to be going to California for a meeting, and there's a young man who is in the military at a base in California who went to wilderness camp at 12 years old. He's now in his early 30s. Um, and I get to, to spend the night at his house with his family one night while I'm there. Wow. And um, so that ongoing discipleship relationship is so vital and, and, and important in their lives. It certainly is important in everyone's lives. And so yeah. sadly, uh, so many do not have that kind of connection yet. But we're praying that that will change. And I know that you've got a lot to to look forward to. And right now you're getting ready for back to school big time, right? Yes, absolutely. So these summer camps turn into weekly groups. And so we have we have cleaned all of the tents and tarps and trailer <laughs> and put them away oh. and now moved into school season. And so meeting with our, our school administrators and teachers and reminding them that we're going to be there. So we, we see those kids weekly. But what I love is uh, we also get to stop by and have lunch with them at school or visit with them um, as well. And so that'll that'll be kicking off actually uh, on the week of August 14th. So we're we're getting close to that. Yeah. And uh, less than two weeks. Very exciting. Yes. And it is just crazy, isn't it, that school is already upon us? It is. I've got two, one going into kindergarten and one going into sixth grade, and we're we're last minute, down to the wire. All right, two minutes, and in that two minutes, I've got two things. Number one, any great wildlife uh, stories from this year's camping? Uh, we try to avoid, I mean, the kids are pretty wild, but we try to avoid <laughs> wildlife as much as possible. We had a... Uh, you know, it's always funny when they see an alligator sitting on the bank and they're in an inner tube floating down yeah. the river. Oh, but my goodness, it's all yeah. good. It's Florida. We're used to it. That's right. And then the, the second thing is give people the website, the web address for how people can sure. find out more about you. Absolutely. YFCofpolk.org, Youth for Christ. YFCofpolk.org is our website. Uh, we'd love for you to come and see what's going on and reach out to us for, for more information. And then as we prepare for the school year, there are items needed, journals, pens, crackers, cookies, cereal, plates, cups. Um, so a very simple, uh, yfcwishlist.org. People can see some of our, our wish list and they can purchase items and they'll be sent right to us, yfcwishlist.org. And uh, so if people want to help – Plates, cups, napkins, pens, journals, it's a great way to help. That is a tremendous thing to do. And again, you're a volunteer uh, dependent, really. I mean, that's what this ministry uh, is all about. So people can volunteer themselves or they can contribute to the volunteers' needs, like what you're saying right there. And it's all laid out for you on the website. So give us that web address one more time. www.yfcofpolk.org. I really enjoyed talking with you, Eric, and thank you so much for being with me today. And congratulations on a busy summer and uh, also looking forward to another report for you from you later in the fall. Okay. That'll be great. Thank you, Mike. All right. And friends, we thank you for being with us today as well. We'll see you next time on Afternoons with Mike. <music> 